Today's program is brought to you by Brooklyn Slate Company, a manufacturer of slate cheese boards, coasters, and other fine items. For more information, visit brooklynslate.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning and welcome to Inside School Food. I'm your host, Laura Stanley, and today's episode is number 25, kind of a milestone. Um, If you're new to the show, welcome to the conversation. Um, As we wrap up season two, it's time to remind our fans that we are a project of the Heritage Radio Network. Heritage is a unique internet station committed to the good food movement and our nation's rich food culture. Um, This show and all the shows carried by Heritage rely on contributions from listeners to keep the lights on and take care of our tiny band of very talented, very committed staff. For instance, um, in the booth right now, the amazing Jack Inslee. Hi, Jack. (laughs) Um, He works his magic over the big board of lit buttons and switches that I don't understand at all. Um, So we need him. Uh, Please consider making a year-end donation. Whatever level works for you works for us. Um, Even small gifts can make a big difference. Um, So go to heritageradio.org and click on Join Us, which you will find on the right-hand side of the page. Uh, Okay, if you're a regular listener, you know that we talk a lot about cooking um, on Inside School Food. Real food at school, the, the movement away from box to oven to more professionalized kitchens and more authentic and satisfying aromas and flavors. Uh, Today we're going to look at a terrific new tool for introducing scratch-made meals. It's a cookbook from Vermont uh, called called New School Cuisine, Nutritious and Seasonal Recipes for School Cooks by School Cooks. And it's really beautiful. Um, For the first time, a cookbook for USDA reimbursable meals that really looks and feels like the latest glossy recipe collection from 10 Speed Press. Um, It's beautifully written, artfully photographed and styled. It's a book that projects expectations of excellence in school food. Um, And yet the message throughout is, you know, this, this is within reach for you. You know, everything you see in this book has been done before many times. It's all kid tested and approved. The the people who put it together and it took a village and you're about to find out about that. Um, So they're out to demonstrate mission possible. Um, So with us on the line are two of the project leaders. Uh, Kathy Alexander completed her graduate studies at the UMass Amherst School of Public Health and Health Sciences. She cooked at a small Vermont public school for 10 years before assuming her current position as director of the Addison Northeast Supervisory Union Food Service Cooperative in Addison County. Uh, Kathy is past president of the School Nutrition Association of Vermont and a board member of Hunger Free Vermont. Abby Nelson is Education Coordinator and Director of Vermont Food Education Every Day, uh, known uh, widely as Vermont Feed. Uh, Vermont Feed is a project of the Northeast Organic Association, uh, or sorry, Northeast Organic Farming Association of Vermont and Shelburne Farms. Um, Abby serves as a statewide school food system consultant and trainer um, involved in all aspects of local 
purchasing and professional development. Uh, Vermont Feed has been at the center of Vermont's very active and very successful farm-to-school movement for 12 years. Uh, We've talked about Vermont Feed on the show before in connection with the work they do to promote locally grown and processed in schools. Um, And if you want to check that out, uh, click on Vermont Feed at the bottom of today's show page on InsideSchoolFood.com. So Abby and Kathy, welcome to Inside School Food. Thank you. Well, thank you. Pleased to be here. Yeah. So um, why don't we just start with an overview of what's in the book? I don't know who wants to start. I'll start. Um, This is Kathy. Okay, good. Um, I'll do a quick overview. Um, we, We set out to try and capture some of the best of the best uh, of what we were seeing being cooked in schools throughout Vermont. So we collected recipes um, from school food chefs and um, compiled them and tested them, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that later. But what's in the book is tried and true, as you said before, tried and true recipes that kids um, will like or will learn to like, as we like to say Mm -hmm. in in Vermont. and, and that also represent uh, food that's locally grown, scratch-cooked, um, and really healthy for kids. Right. And, you know, I've got the table of contents in front of me for a bunch of the sections. I know that the book is broken out into um, meal components. You've got soup salads, fruits and vegetables, grains, meat, meat alternates. And some of the recipes look, I mean, just, just looking at the title, let alone the pictures, they sound so delicious and kind of different for school food. You know, I'm looking at like magenta root slaw, beet burgers, roasted cauliflower with turmeric, sesame roasted green beans, um, different kinds of grain salad. There's an arugula lemon pesto pasta salad, chicken Mm -hmm. tikka masala, you know, it goes on and on. Um, It reads like a real cookbook. Um, So part of that, mm -hmm. um, Laura, is we're trying to break down the myth of that myth that kids won't eat this or kids won't eat that. Mm -hmm. You know, we've really, um, that's one of the missions of the book is to say, you know what, kids really will eat things if we learn to uh, teach them how to eat right. things and give them enough opportunity um, and enough exposure. So that is a big part of what we strove to do. Right, right. Um, let's, let's look a little at the origin story for New School Cuisine. How did you come up with the idea to do this in the first place? Well, um, Abby? Kathy and... I think it was really you, Kathy, that came up with the idea of collecting recipes across the state, knowing that there were some some great um, cooks and chefs out there, and our that was in a, probably 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. But without funding, we that sort of fizzled until the our state child nutrition program said, "Hey, you know, let's do." Um, uh, healthier U.S. school challenge, and let's really bump up what people are producing. And so we we got a team nutrition grant mm-hmm. with the agency and started work on this. And as we got deeper into it, we realized if we really wanted to do the book, we want the way we wanted. We needed professionals, not just uh, um, the recipes themselves that we were going to hole punch and put in a binder. Mm-hmm. We really wanted to make it a official cookbook, and so we need official cookbook writers and photographers and so forth. So Vermont Feed raised additional money in order to support that aspect. And another thing I wanted to add about this book, where it stands alone um, from 
a, a cookbook is that we really infused um, use of local seasonal product. We um, we have a section about 14 tips for a successful farm-to-school program. Mm-hmm. We have a harvest calendar. We talk about mise en place, preparing your products before you make your recipe. We have nutrition analysis, sample menus, all sort of looking towards, you know, recipes are recipes and they're lovely and and tested. And then there's the whole concept, the values behind why this, right? why these. So... Right. I just want to include that. Yeah, and we should emphasize that this is not a cookbook that you can take home and make family dinner out of. It's really for institutional food service. And in addition to the nutrient analysis, what, what's really important um, about this book is that you've got the um, credits, reimbursable you know, uh, meal credits published per recipe. So, and, and I understand what you told me, Abby, that you can use this recipe as for paperwork when you're audited to demonstrate that you're, you're – uh, in compliance with the meal pattern. Right. And um, I'll actually, actually co- correct you, Laura. You can take this book home okay. and cook the recipes. I have actually, I can't tell you how many people know about this book because I'm cooking these recipes. And we, we have a section in there that talks about scaling up and scaling down for how to do it for these recipes. So oh, I stand corrected. I have to try that. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I've, I've done many a potluck with... Um, recipes halved or quartered or my own family because they're really good. Right, right. So when, when you decide, when you made the decision to um, make this book uh, as rigorously tested as it is and as beautifully written and photographed and, you know, to make it a real book, as, as you say, instead of a recipe collection, did you have any idea, like, what was going to be involved? No idea whatsoever. <laughs> we were so clueless. Um, you know, like as Abby said before, we we just thought, oh, it would be so easy. We'll just call people and we'll tell them to send our send us our recipes. And honestly, we did that a couple of times, and they did send recipes. And then we would look at them and and quickly realize that you know they weren't. I mean, I don't even, the sta- they weren't even close to being standardized. They were great recipes, and they mm-hmm. turned out great in school kitchens for that particular person. Mm-hmm. But when I tried to read it and then, off, you know, in an attempt to offer it to other people, I realized this is a big project. We really need to um, figure out how to do this. So we actually um, enlisted the support of um, some folks at Eating Well Magazine and some other consultants that we worked with who were just amazing, who actually taught us what goes into creating a recipe book, a cookbook. And um, it's very, very, very involved. And I can't open a cookbook now without having a you know, deep appreciation for the people who put it together. Right. <laughs> because now right. we know what goes into making somebody's recipe usable for other people. It's the clarity and the specificity and the, the words and the consistency that really um, makes that possible. So, so, yeah. So, was, yeah, and I'll just add that, um, you know, our consultants who've done recipes and cookbooks said, well, of course, you know you have to test these three to seven times, and we just about fell yeah. over because we thought, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We didn't a raise enough money for that. B yeah. the the fifteen directors who were offering their time to do testing, both on site and together with us, 
couldn't devote that amount of time and yeah. that amount of product because every time you test the recipe, you have to test it true to what it is, which is yeah. 50 servings. Mm-hmm. You can't just run home and test a, you know, test a serving of four and say, yeah, it works for 50. So uh, how did you test them then? Well, we started well, by having our teams do them. Um, we had a team of, of 15 people who were school chefs who mm-hmm. came together and learned how to test recipes. Like we went through that process of really making sure you're measuring properly, learning about um, making sure mise en place is done correctly um, so that all the recipes are executed in the same way. And then that group of people tested them. And then I, together in a that we actually partnered with New England Culinary Institute, which mm-hmm. was an amazing opportunity. Um, so they did a lot of that training for us. And then um, after that, the recipes were tested both in schools by individual chefs mm-hmm. at their school with kids mm-hmm. and also by NECI students, New England Culinary Institute students. Mm-hmm. Um, and then many of them were tested yet again um, if there wasn't sufficient um, confidence that the recipe was really where it needed to be. So really, Abby, is this right? They were tested somewhere between four and seven times. Yeah, they did end up because there were some squishy recipes that didn't quite um, meet our requirements, Mm -hmm. but we thought they were popular enough that we just needed to tweak them. So Mm -hmm. it was learn how to how to test a recipe um, efficiently and specifically, and then go back. And then the 15 went back and tested other people's recipes. They mm-hmm. weren't testing their right. own again right. for accuracy. And then it went to the NECI students who tested them for a week. So we're talking 80 recipes here. Right. And then, as I had explained to you, Laura, we did this test-a-thon, which was great fun with two and a half days of all of us together, not the NECI students. Mm-hmm. But we had NECI instructors who were helping us, mm-hmm. and um, we tested everything again. And um, and then there were still a few that needed additional testing because they didn't meet the nutrition analysis. So a couple of the volunteer school directors did them again. Yeah. So, yeah, some were tested to death. Right, right. And, and while that was going on, we were doing nutrient analysis on all of the recipes as well. And then after that, we had to do all the crediting once the recipe was finalized. And in some cases, we realized, well, if we have to bump up the vegetables in this in order to have it credit the full amount. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a process. Well, so. I, I really appreciate you kind of, you know, unpacking the story behind it because it gives people a sense of what's involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know there's other recipe collections underway. We've, we've mentioned some, some projects that are emerging um, here on the show. And this is the one that's, that's come first and is really the, the leading light for, for this. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of work and it, it was, took an army of people. Um, yeah, yeah, it did. It's not for sissies. I mean, we were from the, from inception of, from writing the grant to publishing the book, which is a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you publish it? What's the quality you want to publish it under, et cetera? Right. It was over two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, for me, given what you just described, the process, and that it was everyone doing it in their extra time, uh, yeah. it seems like a pretty short time to, to something this big. So uh, congrats to you. Yeah. Um, you know, before we go to station break, I just wonder if we could 
comment a little on the basically I feel like you were working in unfertile ground in Vermont. There, there's a prevalence of small farms, and and as as I said before, a a pretty robust farm to school uh, supply chain, and and my, I gather more you know uh, more scratch cooking um, than you would see elsewhere because the schools are smaller. I mean, what's the environment like in Vermont? Well, I think that's true. For the most part, we do have small schools. We have some, a few, a couple of large districts, but uh, but for the most part, our schools are actually quite small, mm-hmm. and um, and are really committed to um, making food from scratch and, and using local food in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the same time, those and we talked about before, there's challenges when you have small schools too. Um, and I think some of those challenges are around just resources that get devoted to um, making sure that the the meals are what everyone wants them to be. So I think this cookbook um, was helpful in terms of um, even helping those smaller schools that might might have been a little stuck and just not have the resources to know, okay, where can I go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I do better? How can I do more scratch cooking? So that was part of our effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so while while we have a lot of advantages with um, with with the scale of things in Vermont, mm-hmm. it also presents challenges in terms of resources, and we we were hoping to address some of that for people. Um, in Vermont as well as in in large districts where right. they're struggling with just not having recipes. Right, right, so. right. Um, so uh, let's take a, be- a brief pause for station break, and when we come back, I- I'd like to ask you to describe a few of your favorite recipes in more detail. Um, you're listening to Inside School Food. Today's topic, The Brilliant New School Cuisine, a cookbook out of Vermont by food service professionals for food service professionals. Don't go away. The most delicious part of today's episode is coming right up. We're proud to count Brooklyn Slate as a business member of Heritage Radio Network. Brooklyn Slate Company is a collaborative effort from Brooklyn graphic designer Sean Tice and Parsons graduate student Christy Hedeka. After visiting Christie's Family Slate Quarry in upstate New York in the spring of 2009, the two grabbed a few pieces for use as all-purpose boards back home in Brooklyn and began gifting pieces to friends. The response was so overwhelmingly positive that the two struck out to produce a line of slate products. We encourage you to visit brooklynslate.com to learn more. You can also get your own Brooklyn Slate care package by becoming a superfan member of Heritage Radio Network. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate for more. Welcome back to Inside School Food. Today we are visiting with Abby Nelson and Kathy Alexander, project leaders for New School Cuisine, Nutritious and Seasonal Recipes for School Cooks by School Cooks. Uh, And before we get any further, I'd like to make sure that listeners understand two things. First, the entire book is available for free online. You can get to it by clicking on today's episode at InsideSchoolFood.com. And there's a link there to the Vermont feed site and um, the book broken down by... uh, chapters. Um, second, this, this book can be and is used outside of Vermont and New England. It features ingredients available through USDA, as well as ingredients that are widely available through farm-to-school supply chains nationwide. So, Abby and Kathy, let's look at a few recipes. Um, you you want to start with, um, you know, meat and meat alternate? Sure. 
What I do you have? I have so many that I love. Yeah. Um, I'm, we I have, like the lentil sloppy joe. I was just going to say that. Okay. The lentil sloppy joes is really great, as well as the warm lentil and spinach recipe. Okay. We're always trying to find really good, um, you know, every menu that we do, we have a, a meat, a main meat entree, and, and we always have a vegetarian entree. And so we have been really trying to work with lentils more because their um, texture is really similar um, and they're so nutritious. So um, those two recipes are really good and really, really easy. Yeah, and and so and then and then you have a companion beef-based sloppy joe. So you've got like a vegan version and a meat That's version, right? right That's right, right exactly. Yeah. So um, you know, so what's nice about that is on the menu you can have, you know, the sloppy joes and then the lentil sloppy joes, or um, you know, we do some a dish and then we do the warm lentils and spinach as the alternative. And then mm-hmm. the students who are vegetarian don't feel slighted or like they're getting anything that different. Um, they're getting a little different twist on on what everyone else or or what some of the other students are eating. And it also encourages kids to try vegetarian entrees and and see if maybe they would, you know, like that. Um, So, and we always try to make a little more of that that one so that it's available for taste tests as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it's about exposure and just having uh, students see these other foods first and then have opportunities to try them. Yeah. One one of the things I find exciting about your book, among many things, is that you do have a number of meat alternate entrees that don't have dairy in them. Um, And I find I I spend a lot of time looking at school menus and at Meatless Monday menus, and I see a heavy reliance on cheese. (laughs) And, And you've got plenty of cheese in your menus. It's Vermont, yep. of course, but it's, it's yep. neat to see that some of those meat alternate entrees are, are vegan. Yeah. Yeah, we have a couple tofu recipes, and what's nice about that is that um, up until just recently, uh, tofu was not creditable in, the, for, in terms of the USDA crediting system mm-hmm. um, until about a year or two years ago. Um, and so people didn't really use it. Um, but now we can use it, and it credits as a meat-meat alternate. So um, you have to use a rather significant quantity of it. But, um, you know, for the generally smaller number of students that are, want to have a vegetarian diet, it's great to have some recipes that are available and that are really good. Yeah, and I have to say that that tofu recipe, the photograph on that page, yeah. makes it look so appetizing. Yeah, it's good yeah. and easy. Again, these are not complicated recipes. These right. are pretty yeah. simple. Um, Abby, you said you wanted to talk especially about the celeriac apple slaw as the veggie <laughs> <side. laughs> Tell Your us favorite. about that. Yeah. Abby loves celeriac. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually um, love that and the quinoa carrot muffins. We've uh-huh. had mm-hmm. so many schools interested in the quinoa carrot muffins. Um, but apple celeriac slaw is fun because it's simple, it's fast, um, because it involves a lot of shredding. Mm-hmm. It uses apples, which in Vermont we can get locally year-round. And the celeriac is a crazy vegetable that um, looks, its nickname is vegetable octopus Mm -hmm. because it's um, small roots tendril around this ball. And um, it has a wonderful celery-like flavor without the strings in your teeth Mm -hmm. and holds up really well in, um, in salads and has a nice crunch 
Um, I even throw in apples when I'm, I mean, um, carrots as well for, Mm -hmm. for more color when I'm serving it at home. So I was going to say, this is one of the dishes Abby does serve at home frequently, right, Abby? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. But to serve, you know, to use celeriac in a school kitchen, you you do need your staff trained in knife skills. You know, you can easily cut yourself preparing the stuff and peeling is an issue. So it really speaks to that that need. Um, And then how about a green side? Good example of something you're excited about. The quinoa carrot muffin. I like the barley, the butternut barley. What what it is is um, it's barley that's then cooked with some with some um, butternut squash that has also been cubed and cooked. Mm -hmm. And what happens is then you cook the. Again, it's very easy to put together, and it's cooked in the oven, uh, covered. So while it's cooking away and doing its thing, you can be preparing other foods. Um, But what happens is the butternut kind of melts and creates this lovely creaminess with the um, starches that come from the barley. And and it's just creamy and a little bit sweet from the Mm -hmm. butternut Mm -hmm. and just divine, I think. Right, right. Buttery and lovely. Sounds really delicious. great. And a nice introduction <laughs> for students to um, to barley, which is right. maybe something they're also not familiar with. Right, yeah. right, right, right. A wheat alternate. Um, and you guys are big on soups, which is not, yeah. you know, that's not standard issue on school meals. Can you talk about mm. that a little bit? Well, um, what I had described to you before, Laura and Kathy, you should confirm or deny it. Um, is that uh, in my experience over the last 14 years, um, creative school chefs use leftovers to make soup. And I've had numbers of entrepreneurs who said, you know, I'm thinking of making this great soup for school meals. And I said, don't bother. People are making the soups already because it's a perfect way to not waste foods, to be creative. Um, And... Also, with the new um, increased vegetable guidelines, it's so much easier to um, get kids soup with more vegetables that they can, um, as long as, you know, they aren't smashed and can be identified, they can count as a vegetable uh, equivalent, and it's, it's great. And the whole sloshing on the tray thing has been a taken care of through different um, cups and ways of people serving. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about you, Kath? Mm -hmm. I completely agree. We we serve soup um, quite a bit in all of our schools here, and um, I love soup because, like, as you said, it's a great way to repurpose uh, vegetables that you maybe, you know, had just a little bit left over. Um, And uh, so it really helps to eliminate waste. Um, so if you're good at planning, you have a soup at the end of the week or sometime during your week. Um, and, and we find kids really, really, really like soup. We have not had any right. issues with kids not wanting to eat Yeah, soup. so with all the, all the conversation going on about waste, um, especially with regard to produce and vegetables, um, soup come, you know emerges as a possible solution, mm-hmm. but you have to yeah. be in an environment where there's more cooking going on. That's right. Interesting. And then um, I wonder if you could just comment on the potential for using, um, you know, USDA brown box ingredients um, to help, you know, meet the bottom line. 
Well, well we tried to use beans for one thing because mm-hmm. there's lots of USDA beans. Go ahead, Abby. Well, I was just going to say that our philosophy has been from the start, and actually as long as Kathy and I have known each other, is that um, bringing farm to school to a school and bringing local products to a school means nothing if, A, the kids won't eat it, and B, the food service either doesn't have the equipment to prepare it or the training mm-hmm. or the money. Mm-hmm. And so we really have to look at creative ways to support local agriculture at the same time using the the food that is very inexpensive coming through the USDA food program mm-hmm. so that people can afford to make the dishes. And um, also, the USDA foods have changed so much over the years, and there's really mm-hmm. some decent whole foods, which is, you know, this local food movement's using whole foods, mm-hmm. less processed. And there's a lot of whole foods available now. Right. Wouldn't you say, Kath? Yeah, I, I do. And I, I think it's a really, really important point that USDA foods have come a long way. And, we're yeah, we're looking at food uh, like diced chicken. I mean, the chicken, the chicken recipes that we put in the cookbook um, mostly call for diced chicken and, mm-hmm. and USDA, like you mentioned, the chicken tiki masala, that that recipe calls for the diced chicken that is available through USDA Foods. It's just a plain diced chicken cooked, very um, easy to use, um, efficient, and and a really good product. Yeah. And and again, I we used beans in a number of the soups, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, and tr- you know tried to make sure we had. And I think there's a black bean and corn recipe, mm-hmm. which I think is fairly right. popular. But there's the recipe. Um, yeah. So USDA has come a long way. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, from when I first started in school food, and I and it's been a very very intentional effort, and we want mm-hmm. to make sure people. Um, are able to use that food, uh, right. but also still cook delicious, lovely, appealing uh, meals for kids. So there's plenty of great raw material available through uh, USDA Foods to, yeah. for the Scratch Cooking Kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about the um, NECI or New England Culinary Institute involvement in this project. Um, you know, how did how do you think that new school cuisine may have accelerated? professionalization of school meal service um you know and let's start with the with the the, the nikki piece well well Abby we have I, had um, a relationship um yeah. vermont feed in particular and now kathy and i do at least annually or twice a year presentations to the service learning group mm-hmm. um or class at nikki we have a relationship with a couple of professors there and they really are promoting um, institutional cooking, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm saying working in schools, hospitals, colleges, etc., is really an authentic and worthwhile place to work as a trained chef, and that school cuisine is just an example of we're not talking uh, low-end food service. We're talking uh, creative and professional food service, and that's what we're trying to build in Vermont is the profession of the school meal programs and those folks um, cooking for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so NECI's offered their skills and their students to help us both 
in this cookbook, but also they've been helping doing some uh, culinary skills workshops with School Nutrition Association of Vermont and Vermont Feed. And that's gone well as well. It's very nice. So, so that relationship with the Culinary Academy, both as a, um, a, a source of, of uh, in-service learning uh, for staff as well as, uh, you know, basically a source of new recruits. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Really and Kathy, is. you were going to say um, something about them opening yeah, their eyes. Yeah, I, I just really feel like up. when we go and talk to them, we, we're able, you know, we start by saying, what's your, what, what are, what are your memories of school food? And, of course, they all have... Well, it's changing, actually. We've done it, it is. for four years. And now, last time we did it, it was very interesting because there was sort of a younger group that had graduated from high school maybe a year before mm-hmm. we talked to them. And um, so we were the old ones, and we didn't hear all the negativity that we had heard oh, four years nice ago. Um, that's very nice to we hear. We heard, oh, yeah, our food was pretty good, you know, uh-huh. that kind of thing. So, um, But it's really, in general, when they come into our kitchens, their eyes are opened. And that's what I'm excited about because those are the people that can help us change the culture that exists around school food that's somewhat, in my opinion, devalued within school systems mm-hmm. um, and bringing uh, a new professional look at this, uh, at, our, at, our, at our work, mm-hmm. um, I think can really help, help to elevate um, how everybody perceives the importance and the role of school food mm-hmm. as part of student education, vitally, vitally important to success in right, learning. Right, right. Um, we'll wrap up with that thought, Kathy. Uh, thank okay. you for that. Um, yes. And many thanks to both of you for joining us today. This has been a, been a really fun episode. Uh, thank you. We've been speaking with yeah. Kathy Alexander, director of the Addison Northeast Supervisory Union Food Service Cooperative, that's a mouthful, in Addison mm-hmm. County, Vermont, and Abby Nelson, who is education coordinator and director of Vermont Feed, which is based at beautiful Shelburne Farms, Vermont. Um, You can find a link to New School Cuisine, Nutritious and Seasonal Recipes for School Cooks by School Cooks on today's show page at InsideSchoolFood.com. I will also be posting a link to the new USDA Mixing Bowl. Um, That's another terrific recipe resource and a topic I'd like to get to on a future episode. You have been listening to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. We would really, really love it if you signed up for our newsletter online or like us on Facebook or follow my news feed on Twitter, or you could do all three. Um, I'm Laura Stanley, and I look forward to welcoming you back. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.